Good afternoon and welcome to Chargers Outside Zone. I'm Chuck. I'm Thomas, and today we had an interview with Sports Illustrated's Connor Orr. Yes. So in episode 18 of Chargers Outside Zone, we took a look at uh, Connor's top 100 bold predictions for 2022 NFL. And took the AFC. Well, and we, we took the 10 Chargers bits out of that and yes. or, or Chargers related things and talked about them. Yes. When, uh, when I tweeted out that episode, sharing it across Twitter... Uh, we were surprised that that Connor quote tweeted uh, the the tweet and and uh, then he direct messaged me and asked you know is there anything I can do to help promote the show love the show um, and uh, and we invited him to come on and he he uh, he joined us this evening and we talked a lot about football yes and had a great time um, one uh, little spoiler alert is uh, towards the very end of the uh, podcast, we asked Connor, um, you know, is there anything you want to close with? Uh, he requested, you know, for people to go out and buy hard copies of Sports Illustrated. Uh, you know, typically not something we do in, in 2022, but if you're uh, uh, to, you know, thank Connor for his time. If you're by your local newsstand, actually or grocery store. Actually, buy a hard copy for yeah. Once. Pick up that paper copy of Sports Illustrated. I also went online and and looked at the um, at the cost of a subscription, and so it's uh, twelve magazines for one year at twenty dollars, or you can do the two year subscription, twenty four magazines in total for thirty dollars. So uh, a couple different options there: your local grocery store, your newsstand, or you buy a subscription. Buy a subscription. And with uh, with no further ado, let's uh, let's get to that interview. Let's get uh, to that interview, man. So joining us right now is Connor Orr, writer for Sports Illustrated. Huge thank you for Connor for taking his time to join us. Welcome um, to the podcast, Connor. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I said uh, I, I listened to um, I listened to the one where you guys broke down my my hundred volt predictions and. I, I texted you guys. I want to come on. This is a good show. <laughs> yeah, um, we were very lucky. Uh, my wife, yes. Thomas's mom, she's the one that found the article on Apple News. And, and like I said in that episode, uh, it, it was kind of a family affair, not yes. just the uh, father-son <laughs> hobby that it usually is. But, um, yeah, uh, since we do have you on the show, some of the things that we wanted to know, uh, I followed some of your stuff uh, when you're on previous podcasts and writing for Sports Illustrated and in your podcast, the MMQB podcast. Um, where did your love of football originate um, oh, growing boy. up? That's a great question. So uh grew up in Northeast Pennsylvania. Um, my family were diehard Notre Dame fans. Um, okay. Just total. I mean, that was... Uh, you know, outside of actual church, but, you know, uh, the, like that was church one, one, one a, uh, was like, you know, church and Notre Dame, you know, that was the two most important things growing up. And our lives just kind of revolved around that, you know, you play your own sports on the weekend, then you go right to the TV and you'd watch Notre Dame, talk about Notre Dame and everyone was obsessed with it. And so for me, once I got to old enough to be able to play, um, and I played all through peewee and through high school, um, I knew I knew I wanted to stay connected to the game somehow. I didn't know how, um, 
and I kind of stumbled into journalism, which was awesome. And I got really lucky because, um, you know, I had a couple internships, but when I landed at um, uh, this uh, in Newark, New Jersey, a newspaper called the Star Ledger, and oh, yeah. it just so happened they had a, an opening for a second Jets beat writer when I was an intern, and I ended up shifting onto that beat in 2010 okay. when they had Rex Ryan and oh. Bart Scott, and they <laughs> went to the AFC Championship game, and man, I was 21 and having the time of my life. And, and so, plenty you know, plenty to write about with Rex, right? Well, <laughs> I, I always said, thank, thank God I did that beat when I was 21 and not 34, because if I had Rex Ryan when I was 34 and I, I wouldn't have the stamina for it. If you were just up all night, you were worried about what he was going to do the next day. And what, I mean, all the players on the team, what they were doing at night. And it was just, uh, Oh gosh, that was a, it was a good time though. And so from there I was hooked. I mean, I got a taste of the NFL and I knew that, you know, I mean, you know, Lord willing be able to make a career out of it, you know, and, and, you know, so this would be my 12th, 12th NFL season uh, starting up this year. So, And then I'm from excited. the Star-Ledger, you how long did you cover the Jets then at the Star-Ledger? So I did the Jets for two years, and then uh, it, the biggest uh, shift ever, because we covered the Jets and the Giants, I moved over to the Giants, and okay. go from Rex Ryan to Tom Coughlin was culture shock, <laughs> absolute, uh, absolute culture shock. Um, but that was fun. I got to do one of the really bad Giants years, and then Odell Beckham's rookie year, which was a lot oh, of wow. fun. So um, you saw the and, catch? Uh, so here's a funny story. I worked almost right up until then, and then I left to go to around the NFL like right before the catch happened. Oh, so no. I missed, I missed the catch. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, one of my good friends from the Star-Ledger is actually the guy who took that picture, and he's in oh, the awesome. corner of the end zone. And you can see somebody taking his picture of him taking the picture. And it's so funny. Like he said, I had no idea I got the shot. He's like, I'm falling backwards. Cause I think someone's about to hit me. My eyes are closed. And he's just like pointing the camera and he ended up getting one of the most iconic pictures in NFL history. Oh, no doubt. Cool. Even yeah. on a cover. It's iconic. Yeah. That was, that segues yeah. right into, uh, you, you know, one of the, one of the more memorable Madden covers. Um, but EA, just put out the 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 Madden uh, cover for tw- Madden twenty three uh, with yes. John Madden on it. What what are your thoughts on on the cover art, uh, the game, uh, the state of the game? Because uh, I think I think you aren't you a Portland River Hawks? <laughs> Portland River Hawks. Yeah, I got my I got my shirt right up there. Oh, uh, that's awesome. One of the listeners actually drew that, and it says Portland River Hogs football. Um, and then Minot State was my college football dynasty, and okay. so I have those uh, <laughs> represented. Um, so uh, yeah, it was funny. I mean, uh, all that stuff was taped before my daughter was born, and then when you have kids, your Madden productivity goes <laughs> way down. Um, but I, I for reasons, <laughs> definitely reasons. Hey, when they hit a certain age, then it starts to pick back up again. Just so I know, I'm excited <laughs> when my when my son gets into prime age. Like I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. To to jump back in but everything i've you know everything that i've i still i still follow the game and i i think it's important to me because it still gets generations of kids into the sport and so i think that's important and i do think they need to um like a lot of my friends play M- nba uh the nba 2k and okay. i think that Matt needs to go a little bit further in terms of like 
what you can do with franchise mode and make it a little more customizable and, you know, uh, be able to kind of evolve your story and your narrative in the game. And I, I think they'll get there, but I think they need to they need to get a little bit better. But I'm glad they put Madden and not a player on the cover because I always get so nervous about <laughs> the, the Madden curse. Yeah. And, I yeah, know, yeah. And and what a what a uh, tribute to to John uh, Madden uh, with that with that cover art. Um, w- with Madden, one of the things that I don't understand is why is it released in August, and why is it not released the day after the Super Bowl? Yeah, everybody would be doing mock drafts. Everybody would be. I mean, because you just had the Super Bowl, it's over. Like everybody's jonesing for more football and then players are like right there, you, you know, doing franchise in mode and, and drafting and going crazy. And, and by the time it gets around to August, everybody's like, well, real football's here. I don't want to play football. This is, is insane. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. I think one of the things, um, one of the things that the NBA figured out way before the NFL and the NFL is just, coming up to realize this is fans are so much more interested not more interested but so interested in the administrative part of the game right trades draft um internal cap stuff contracts yeah and the more that you can feed uh, the fan base that i think the the more obsessed they become and i think capitalizing on that window and putting them in a uh even like even if you want to do it the day after the draft or two days after the draft, make it a digital download with all the rosters in there, and I think people would redraft and do mock, you know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think the earlier you could get it out there, the better. I agree with you. Yeah, it would be quite awesome to uh, you know put your players on the team and run through the season yeah. and and have a blast at it. And and but you would uh, we we have NHL twenty two or twenty three twenty. Uh, or 21 they all run together but it it gets to a certain point where there's like almost too much and you need a simple mode (laughs) i I agree with you that you need all the intricacies for those players out there and and different stuff and uh yeah we have i believe the first 20 yeah we we have a couple versions i think um and i also have uh an old Xbox around here with the last NCAA football 13 on it. And he yeah. wanted me to sell it for 20 bucks to a, to a GameStop and I had to buy it off of him. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, so I, I sold it. I sold my copy uh, again, like right before my daughter was born and I sold it for a hundred bucks on eBay. Um, okay. um, but yeah, I would, I would hang up, but I sold it when, they um because they were talking about releasing a new ncaa and i think with name image and likeness it's going to come at some point yeah Yeah. so i thought okay this is probably as valuable as this game (laughs) is going to be and so let's get rid of it i mean 100 bucks and you know it's just sitting there in my uh in the drawer of my office so never hurts hurts to grab that cash right yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that's right so what is your favorite team that's a good question. Um, so when it came to the pros, uh, I, I, I was so obsessed with college football that I never had a real team. And then all my friends got teams. I grew up in Northeast PA, so it was all Steelers and Eagles fans, a couple Giants fans. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was boring. Uh, yeah. So 
I said, okay, I'll just pick the next team that comes into existence. And so I picked, uh, that was the 1999 Browns. And um, I loved being a Browns fan. I loved being a Browns fan until, quite honestly, like three months ago. Um, <laughs> and so I, I think, uh, you know, and you know, we had, oh my gosh, we had Johnny Manziel jerseys in the house. We had Tim Couch and, uh, uh, gosh, I, I have a whole closet full of them. And so... Um, but it's fun now that I, you know, my fa- as a family we sat down and uh, we decided that we're gonna we're gonna pick a team together. You know, we're gonna open up our fandom. And I tweeted it not too long, um, not too long ago. And I would say the most offers that we got as a family were from Buffalo. Uh, oh, the Bills wanted Bills to Mafia. Bills Mafia. Um, but um, I don't know. This is ex- you know it's exciting. You know, um, I, was, I was just out in Cincinnati for work. I could see us growing up Bengals fans too. I, I don't know. It's a, it's fun to be out in the open right now. I I would suggest anyone in the uh, West. <laughs> well, yeah. I think I think we would we would tell you that there's plenty of room uh, for, to join the Chargers, obviously, for and Chargers, but and uh, a lot of excitement around the team, a lot of buzz. Um, yeah. When you were a Browns fan from 99 until uh, recently, uh, as you watch games, uh, any superstitions or are you bu- usually busy writing and, and not able to wear your favorite jersey? Or <laughs> Yeah, they, well, they don't let us do that. Um, uh, once you, once you kind of once I started covering the league, you kind of have to leave your your fandom behind, uh, which was OK, because. <laughs> The Browns from 2010, when I started covering the NFL until 2000, until this year, really weren't very good, and so I never really had to worry about it. And um, but I would say, um, I mean, certainly for Notre Dame for college football, I always have my favorite jersey. Um, okay. I had a, uh, Brady Quinn um, <laughs> signed a jersey for me um, when I was younger, and so nice. I had a Brady Quinn jersey that I always wore. Um, and uh, another really Brown. Loved that. Another Brown's great. Another Brown's great. We <laughs> never got a real shot. I think if Brady Quinn got a shot, he would have been. Uh, okay. But, but uh, yeah, I was a big Brady Quinn fan, so I always wore my Brady Quinn jersey. Um, and I always made something real. And I still do this every Sunday, even though I'm working. I try to make something really good. I like to uh, uh, just make, like, a really good meal. That's always something that I okay. think part of my favorite part about. So good food, and, and when you get the chance, wear your favorite jersey. That's awesome. right. Yeah. Um. With uh, with with the the Browns, we we watched uh, your about a month ago. You were on ATN, uh, talking about the article that you wrote, uh, Hugh Jackson in the in the Cleveland Browns. Um, one question that I've always had is obviously somebody outside watching the Browns, you know, looking in like a lot of people. But in this... they 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 went they went through a period of collecting all these draft picks. And, you know, the whole money ball. And then they turn it over to John Dorsey. And we see the result. Like, you you did what you wanted <laughs> in acquiring all this talent, or all this draft capital. And then you turn it over to an old school NFL guy to do what? Like, like just baffled me uh, as it was going on, never understood it. I mean, did you see it that way or did you think it was in good hands at the time or? 
initially when the entire thing started in 2015, when they hired Hugh Jackson that offseason, I thought this is a slam dunk. He was assistant of the year that year with the Bengals. He was running stuff on offense that I think we're seeing now. Like he was, he okay. really wasn't Irvin. So I thought this is a slam dunk. Um, I thought it was a great idea to, to pair the front office the way that they did. And to, you know, the Paul D. Podesta, who, who was the guy in Moneyball, yeah. um, um, bringing him in, I thought, wow, like this is a really unique thing. It's a cool idea. And they were doing cool stuff. I mean, they were. Um, I remember the Brock Osweiler trade where they essentially just bought a second round draft pick and then cut it. Saved the Texans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought how smart um, all this stuff is. Um, well, that was, that was Sashi, right? That was a lot of yeah, Sashi. Yeah, a lot of that was Sashi. Yeah. And Sashi and Paul D. Podesta. And I think what happened was like any owner, Jimmy Haslam kind of got nervous and was like, okay, I don't know if this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And so, you panic and you hire the guy that all of your owner friends tell you to hire, who was John Dorsey at the time, who just had moved on from the Chiefs. And so, yeah. um, I, you know, from there, I mean, I think everything you hear out of Cleveland now is they're still listening to Paul D. Podesta. The Moneyball thing is still happening, and now it's on track. But to me, if you needed to go get Deshaun Watson uh, and pay him the largest contract in NFL history – then I don't know how good the plan could have been <laughs> five years ago that, you know, this is all the stuff that you're doing to make up for the things you still don't have. I mean, the job one, one through 10 is get quarterback, you know, right. and they, they were never able to do that. And I still really like Baker Mayfield personally, but, and I, and I think he would be a good quarterback somewhere, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I think they kind of lost their way a little bit there. Okay. Okay. Let's, Let's transition uh, right. to uh, State of the NFL, if it's okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and where we, we wanted to touch on, like, uh, current defenses in the NFL. Um, you know, we did an episode early look at the 2022 Kansas City Chiefs. Um, last year you see defenses, um, you know, doing playing more too high. Um you see lots of talk about Brandon Staley and the defense that he's installing. Um, you look at the Buffalo Bills that rotate defensive linemen throughout the entire game so that like, no one's gassed at like the end. Like it's nothing. Right. <laughs> um, obviously, on the back end, they have Jordan Poyer and, and Micah Hyde. Um, where, where do you see defenses trending in 2022 and 2023 at the moment? So this is interesting and um, related to Brandon Staley. So I I felt like I was the first kind of national guy to write a big story about Brandon Staley um, back when he was still with the Rams. And um, what I had always heard was that Sean McVay, so um, he uh, he would play Vic Fangio and he would get so frustrated <laughs> and he said, I have to have somebody who knows this. But what's interesting about Vic who's actually from Scranton, where I'm okay. from, uh, and uh, uh, so really old-school guy. Yeah. And he said, yeah, I mean, I know my defense is great, and so I'm not going to teach it to anybody. I'm not going <laughs> to tell anybody about this. And what's so interesting about Brandon was, Brandon was a coach, you know, um, out in the outposts of football and in, in small-time college football, but he was obsessed with Vic's defense. He okay. was an offensive coach, taught himself Vic's defense just through watching the tape. Wow. Somehow got 
job on his staff, learned what he needed to learn. And then by the time that he walked into the interview with Sean McVay, what I had heard was um, it was over before it started. You know, he said, I have to have this guy. And so Brandon has been so far ahead. He's probably the only other guy who really understands the defense as well as Vic does. Um, all these other coaches, I think, are kind of coming late to it. They're trying to borrow from the film and then figure it, almost reverse engineer it. Um, but, yeah, I agree. It's going to be a ton of too high. Uh, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon for a couple reasons. Half the league now is running outside zone, and too high pairs really well against outside zone. And the league is so mobile now at the quarterback position, and the too high forces you to basically – like you guys know, I mean, it forces your quarterback to stand back in the pocket and be perfect. And yeah. a lot of guys can't do that. That's why Patrick Mahomes struggled for a little bit there. Right. Because he was the creating with his legs and then throwing to open guys. And I think that's why Joe Burrow was so good, because that's where he always thrived. He was hyper accurate, um, really cool under pressure. And so he was able to pick apart too high, zone, uh, too high looks. So... I don't think that's going anywhere. I think we're going to kind of see those two systems clash a lot this year. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be interesting, right? It's like every couple of years we see this massive evolution. Before that, it was everyone wanted an Andy Reid system. Now everyone wants a Kyle Shanahan system. For this, <laughs> basically 90% of the league was running Pete Carroll cover three, and then now everybody's running too high. And so it's, it's really interesting to see somebody's going to break out with something that um, that we haven't seen before, and that's what's so fun about the NFL. With the availability of film, people can copy it like that and co-opt it on the, for their own. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So we talked about defenses, and uh, an, another topic in the offseason has been this wide receiver market. We saw the, the Chargers hit early with uh, Mike Williams re-signing him you know, in the $20 million range. Everybody's, you know, clearly thought Mike Williams was worth that. Uh, but then, you know, Back to Madden, we have a bunch of Madden trades. Tyreek going to Miami, uh, Devontae going to Vegas, and then they get mega contracts. So so kind of, you know, we know the history there, but uh, we saw Cooper get paid. We, we, we saw Hunter get Hunter Renfro get paid. Do you see the, the, the next group of wide receivers, say like a Justin Jefferson, do you see them breaking the Tyreek Hill – Devonte Adams or kind of uh, being just below them uh, in contracts because that that'll be a, a big topic next offseason. I think Justin Jefferson. I agree. I, I think it's a really good question. I see them coming probably slightly under, but probably getting more in terms of total guarantees. Uh, like I think Tyreek and Devonte, the number is really high, but I think age wise. They're fairly short-term deals because they're older. I think Justin Jefferson, maybe you'll get $25 million a year, but maybe you'll get five good years out of that, you yeah. know? Uh, whereas I don't think um, Devontae and, and Tyreek necessarily have that security. But How how many years do you think out of the contract? For, for, um, Tyreek, for Jefferson? Tyreek and... And how many how many years do they play in in their current contracts? Yes. How many years? That's a that's a really good question. Um, I would say Devonte Devonte probably not that long. 
see him go back. Three, uh, three, four. Probably another. I would say, yeah, I would say like two. I would say two for me. Um, and Tyreek the same because you know here, here's what I'll say about Tyreek Hill. Once you know, and and this is not a knock on him. I think it's just a recognition of all of our bodies, right? It's like once the speed starts to go yes. on him a little bit, you're gonna lose so much of what makes him a special player you know and i think that miami's going to use him right now like everyone's kind of picturing this high flying offense i think he's going to carry the ball a lot and i think he's going to catch the ball at the line uh, to help tua and so i think that's going to beat him up a little bit like i think he's going to get some some wear and tear on him he's he's probably going to be unhappy like debo yes (laughs) (laughs) there's no doubt i agree yeah no that's interesting uh yeah it, it the, the wide receiver market was definitely reset, but I, I don't necessarily see anyone, um, you, you know, pushing that, that those contracts higher or that annual pay higher. Uh, and, and that kind of leads into QB contracts. A similar question, you know, Aaron Rodgers got $50 million a year. Uh, you, you know, setting aside the Deshaun Watson contract uh, because, you know, it was different. Um, Russell Wilson asking for... 50 a year Patrick Mahomes on a long-term deal at 45 as we see Joe Burrow next year as we see Justin Herbert next year do those guys get past that 50 or are they once again just below uh, somewhere in between and also this year you also see the the uh, the Ravens yeah, Lamar. Lamar's not even signed yet. Yeah, so he'll. Yeah, that's a, that's another uh, really good point. I think. Um, so, my thought on that is. The, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the Deshaun thing changed a lot because it's fully guaranteed, and so I think what um, what riled up a lot of the owners around the league was now. I don't think people care as much about being 50 million. I think people care about fully guaranteed and what's Back to hard the about, Kirk cousins fully guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. I, and what's hard about that for teams is you have to have so much of that money in escrow already to ready to hand over. And so if you're, for example, the Bengals who are not like the charge or, you know, who are not like the Rams or they're not owned by this mega billionaire, right? The right. Bengals are owned by the Brown family they're not going to have, I mean, if Joe Burrow is worth five years at 45 million, I mean, they're going to have to have some $200 million like in the bank, just sitting there ready to hand over to him. And I don't think some teams have that money. And so I think that's what's going to be interesting to me is if you're Joe Burrow, do you fight something like that? Do you say, okay, I'm just happy. I'm in Ohio. I live an hour and a half away from my parents. Life is good. (laughs) Pay me what you can pay me. Um, and, and I don't know on him. I really could yeah. see him going either way, but some of those, some of these guys are going to fight it. And I think, you know, Russell Wilson, the Broncos are about to get bought by Walmart. I'd be like, yeah, it's got money. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That okay. was the, that was the funny thing that when you first saw the news about Russell Wilson, you're like, hey, he's asking an awful lot. And then, it, oh, it was bought by Walmart. Oh, get it, Russ. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. And I, I think you bring out an interesting point. It's not so much about salary cap or, or cat, you know, it's about capital on hand and, uh, and, and, 
you know, the, the finances of the actual franchise and not so much revenue sharing. It's, it's the, you have to have that money in the bank, uh, if you will, uh, to be able to pay those players. Um, and, and, and talking about quarterbacks and like Justin Herbert, um, it, you know, obviously his Chargers outside zone, we're very excited uh, to see his third year. Um, yes. A couple years ago when he was coming out of Oregon and, you know, he's a quarterback prospect that, that played at Oregon for, for a few years. I think he, he left as a senior, right? Um, and and I believe lots of questions around him as a prospect. Is he a leader? Is he, um, you know, can He's he adapt to an quiet. NFL? Um, couple games were highlighted the one against Cal and Austin Davis of how he wasn't really reading defenses very well. How, how does he go from, from that prospect? Uh, the Chargers selecting him six, no matter what anybody else is saying, you know, thankfully, you know, for them, the Dolphins went to a, and then, <laughs> you know, they get Herbert and, and now he's, uh, you know, many consider him, you know, if you're going to start a franchise today, who would it, you start it with? And, uh, there's a good percentage of people that say Justin Herbert, how, how, how did he go from that prospect to who he is today? That's in a, your that's opinion? A really good, yeah. And, uh, Thomas, I think you're right too. I remember them saying, um, remember them saying like too quiet of a player, um, you know, uh, wasn't going to be able to lead and stuff like that. Um, but I think what changed for them was, uh, I mean, Justin had a really good coaching staff and I, I like the current coaching staff that's in there now, but I thought having Anthony Lynn as a first time head coach was really good. I think yeah. Anthony was a player for a long time in the NFL, um, and someone who kind of helped bring him in and their offensive coordinator at the time was Shane Steichen, who is now in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. And okay. look at how much better Jalen Hurts played once Shane Steichen got there. And, uh, you know, yes. Shane is a, is really under the radar. I think he's going to end up developing as, as kind of a big head coach in waiting kind of guy this year. Um, okay. But, I think Justin too, one of the other things is he just has it, you know, and, and I think how you can tell one coach um, was saying that um, if you look at all of the great quarterbacks in the NFL, and this, I looked it up and it's true. It's, it's true of big Ben, even before he kind of fell off um, Philip rivers in his best years, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, what percentage of your throws are you hitting check down targets? And you're just, you know, right away, you're not seeing anything. And you're just dumping the ball off and you're gaining four or five yards at a time. Yep. And Justin from day one as a rookie. I mean, he was he he didn't try to do too much. He always moved the football from day one and really set himself up, I think, to, to have that that breakout second year. Yeah, and it's, it's also kind of interesting because you get the news in the offseason of the Mike Williams signing. You know, he gets the text message, where is he? He's down in the weight room, right? And it's kind of... <laughs> kind of a good story for the chargers that yeah. your quarterback's always in the room and and not really looking yeah. to go anywhere yeah. so yeah we're we're super excited obviously uh in your 100 bowl predictions you had him topping 38 touchdowns uh topping 5014 yards um and uh and then taking home the mvp for the for the league uh which would be fabulous um and and so where would 
I mean, does he push the 50 touchdown mark? Um, you know, how, far, how, how many yards could he throw for in this offense? It's a good question. I, you know, I think the sky's the limit. I mean, this, you know, it's, it's not one of those offenses that you look at right away and you say, oh, my gosh, look at all these weapons. They're going to be able to do this and that. But I think it's well-designed, and I think that's just as important. And I think that they'll be able to create a lot of mismatches. Um, I think they diversified the running game a little bit, which should help him. With Spiller. And it was Spiller, yeah. And I think that was a good pick. And so um, – and it's just another year for him. I mean, you get you put that guy, that body, that brain, and you give all of the all of the tools. And you know, uh, one when football gambling was legalized out here, um, I remember bumping into someone down at one of the places, and he said, like, that's what you know every kind of insider Vegas guy would look at is that year two to year three. Okay. Um, as the big jump, you know, and, and statistically, I mean, it bears out, right? I mean, that's really when you see a player either go from very good to Hall of Fame or just, hey, we're going to stay very good and, and sort of and, and sort of peter out. And so, I, you know, if you had to ask me, you know, which way do I think he's going? I mean, I'm betting on the guy that, I mean, shoot, look at his first start. He, had, <laughs> he found out, what, four minutes before the game and, and then ended up playing – in the heart out and so you know i i think i have a lot of respect for him as a player when i think all the chargers fans uh you, you know uh will point to that hit that he took on the sideline uh you, you know and stood right up <laughs> mm-hmm. uh in that in that game against kansas city that was uh quite amazing big shot and yeah. they kept him in the game and you know i think they ended up uh kansas city ended up winning in overtime but man he gave it all it's worth uh finding out 10 seconds before kickoff that you're starting. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we really appreciate your time. We have a, a, a segment that we were going to do the lightning round. <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's do it. We, it would typically be the speed round, but since we're a chargers quick. podcast, it's the lightning round. <laughs> quick round of questions. And, uh, so yeah, just some quick hitters here and then, and then we'll let you get out of here. Uh, cool. so starting off the lightning round, what is your favorite sandwich? Ooh. Yes. Um, I would say it changes from time to time, but right now there's a deli down the street from me uh, called Sergio's, and they make chicken cutlet with broccoli rabe and balsamic glaze on it, and that's uh, that's that's my favorite right now. I've been eating a lot of that. Too much. It, <laughs> if they put that in a uh, advertisement and and threw it up uh, on YouTube, I, 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 would, uh, I would have to make the drive to, to go grab one. Because uh, <laughs> somebody wants to eat everything he sees on YouTube, for sure. Uh, I, it works, man. That's, uh, that's part of the deal. Yeah. So uh, where does Baker play in 2022? And 2023. Hold on. Give it away. Yeah. <laughs> 2022... I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the easy way out and say Panthers right now, even though I don't like that answer. Um, I, I think Panthers in 2022. So, so they make the trade. Is Darnold part of the trade going back the other way, or are they stuck with two 19 million dollar fifth year quarterbacks? That's yeah, a, I think they're. Yeah, that's a I brutal place stuck. to be. Okay, so yeah. where does so where does Baker play in 2023? <laughs> so that is that is where to look, right? And so. Now you start looking around the league and you say, okay, um, 
did did the Kyler Murray contract get done? If not, did he force his way out? Um, does he want to be somewhere else? That's a landing spot for Baker because he knows Cliff Kingsbury. And yeah. so, you know, you wonder if something like that happens. You're looking at teams that are getting older. Would Todd Bowles take a crack at him? Because I, I think Tom Brady's going to play yeah. long in this year, but I don't think he's going to play in Tampa Bay after this year. And so maybe Tampa okay. Bay's another. New Orleans, I could see wanting him. I think Baker's a good quarterback. I think Cleveland's a weird place. He just needs to get out of there. Yeah, <laughs> quickly, quickly. Um, yeah. Also, if that happens, if that trade happens in 2022 and they don't succeed, head coaching? Yeah, so so we'll, we'll get there as part of the lightning round. Uh Next question is, does Saquon top 1,000 yards rushing again in his career? I I, uh, oh, again in his career. Um, I don't think he tops 1,000 yards rushing again in his career, but I do think he catches at least 60 balls this year. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes this year. Um, and I think he will be kind of a, a, like a third down back for the rest of his career. Um, but, you know, like a pretty good one, but not – not kind of what we expected out of him as a player. Is, is he a giant past 2022? No. No. I don't think so. Definitely not. Uh, worst stadium in the NFL? Worst? Oh. Um, hmm. Boy. Um, you got to Well, for a while, it was the old Chargers stadium. <laughs> <laughs> the Murph and, uh, and, and Starhub. Oh, man. But boy, San Diego was so beautiful. You'd go there for the games, and then the stadium was falling apart. I just remember being like, "Oh, Uh, that that was a tough one." Uh, Bengals also a little, little iffy there too. Riverfront. Yeah. Yeah. What were you gonna say? For right now, what's the worst stadium? Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay. And if the Bills get a new stadium, uh, then yeah. They'll be uh, by themselves. What's the best stadium in the NFL? Um, well, I was just at the the Super Bowl, and the new stadium in LA is phenomenal. I mean, it's uh, it's outrageous. I've never seen anything like that. But I will say, nothing for me tops. Um, well, I don't know what they call it now. I mean, it was CenturyLink, wherever this, whatever the Seahawks sponsor is now. Yeah, uh, that place is phenomenal. And if you're covering a game there, if you ever have a chance to cover a game there, because Seattle is obviously the birthplace of Starbucks, they have their own Starbucks barista that keeps <laughs> running back and forth, and they'll take your coffee orders throughout the game. I said, I'm never going home. This is phenomenal. <laughs> in 2015, I would uh, spend one week a month in Seattle. Uh, oh. And so I, great- I, yeah, I would stay down in uh, the South Docks uh, area. Yeah. Uh, it was beautiful. Uh, I was there when Big Bertha was going through. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, cool. some time ago. Uh, <laughs> will the NFL ever expand again? I think at some point they're going to have to because all these owners are threatening to use other cities to get their cities to build stadiums. And at some point, um, all these other cities are going to say, hey, we're sick of you just using us for this. We <laughs> would like a team. So I think uh san antonio is so when they have the alliance of american football team yep. they yes they loved uh aaf i think san antonio is a good market um i don't ever see um 
I don't ever see London. I don't ever see any kind of overseas teams, but I think somewhere in Texas, I think Texas could probably host another team somewhere in the South. I would say probably makes sense. Yeah. Um, you also have, uh, you know, Birmingham, St. Louis, all the, all the spots on uh, Madden. <laughs> yeah. Give, give St. Louis their team back the poor Rams fans out there. It's, it's kind of interesting because you kind of, to get from 32, the next logical step is like 36. So that would be four teams. Uh, and we kind of hit on the cities. Uh, so uh, in, in today's news, uh, thoughts on the New Orleans Saints black helmets. Very cool. I See, I'm, I'm all in on stuff like that. I think that uh, outside of if you're the Steelers, you stay the Steelers. I mean, that's. That's like if you're the Packers, you stay the Packers. Everyone else, you know, have fun with it. You know, I, I loved the chart when the Chargers revealed their new uniforms last year. I thought they were awesome. And I mean, Nike, you're gonna, you're going to sell more uniforms if you keep making new ones. And so yeah. I don't know, make it interesting for us. I'd say I say do whatever you know, do do whatever comes to mind because the cooler the better for me. Have you ever seen the uh, Steelers all whites with the yellow helmets? No. Google that. Uh, mm-hmm. That is uh, that is some sweet, sweet uh, unis there. Yes. Oh, and, wow. Okay. Yeah, and so, you know, the, the big deal with uh, allowing more than one helmet, you know, that helps out New Orleans this year, the Steelers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the creamsicles, Atlanta with the Reds. Uh, so you get a, you're going to get a lot of... The Jaguars uh, with... Yeah, bring back the two-tones. They're weird. <laughs> Two that was cool back then. I mean, for 1996, it was very cool. Yeah. Well, no, the the one like uh, three or four years ago where they had the two tone, right? Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that was yep. it's kind of strange. Yes. Uh, when you first played sports, your first organized team, uh, their mascot name. So we were. Um... Uh, we were called the Comets. Okay. Um, it was funny, though. Uh, uh, so, pardon. Uh, so, our school used to be called the Astros, um, but uh, back in the 70s, everyone used to call us the uh, uh, Blank Holes instead of the uh, Astros. <laughs> and so, the school actually changed its name from Astros to Comets beca- uh, so that they couldn't yell that anymore. So, that's how nice. we became <laughs> <laughs> Uh, does Matt Rule finish uh, the 2022 season as the Panthers head coach? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think he's out of rope. I was very surprised he came back this year. Uh, uh, who, who do you think? Uh... Well, I mean, he highlighted uh, the, the gentleman offensive coordinator in Philly, right? He'd probably be on top of the list and go from there yes. with the. Bacon would be good. Marcus Brady is with the Colts, I think, is a, is a good one. Um, Zach Taylor, who's the Bengals head coach, his brother Press is going to be the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville this year. That's a guy who I could see. Um, Raheem Morris in L.A. I think deserves a shot at some point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's um, – What about not... the – Sean Payton, too. Don't, can never forget about Sean Payton. Yeah, what is about he going to the... end up in Carolina, though? The – Chargers head coach, uh, the Chargers old head coach, Anthony Lynn is in Detroit. He could always 
Because yeah, he moved yeah. over to San Francisco before this year, and oh, their teams are hiring 49ers assistants like crazy. So I yeah. could see Anthony Lynn getting back into the game for sure. Because uh, you have head coaches getting rat- drudged up. <laughs> Retreads. <laughs> Retreads. Yeah, All right. Last question here of our supposed lightning round. Uh, best podcast with less than 100 subscribers that you've ever appeared on. Oh, this is not even close. It started out like, <laughs> I would have told you that this is, this is the most fun I've had doing a podcast in, in, in a very, very long time. So, well, That's I, good I, to I hear. Uh, we would obviously we would you know love to have you back at some point and uh, yeah I mean uh, thank you so much for your time today and and uh, really appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank, thank you. you Anything yeah, we guys. didn't cover that you want to put out on Chargers Outside Zone? Mm, I'll say uh, I'll sneak in a plug for Sports Illustrated and I'll tell people yeah. to buy it magazine because they, they still make those you know these hard these print products and they're great you know you can carry them anywhere so buy, buy a magazine they're, all they're right great. so go to your uh, <laughs> newsstand and and pick yes. up sports illustrated's hard copy magazine yes yeah. all right super <laughs> and please like and subscribe i'm sorry about yeah we'll we'll do an outro i think we'll just uh 100 yes we'll... i'll say it too though like and subscribe to chargers <laughs> outside zone it's the best Welcome back. You know, we just finished uh, the the conversation with Connor in, in this in this podcast, and really want to thank Connor for his time. Thank Connor and his wife and his kids. Thank you. Really appreciate him for, taking the uh, hour to sit down with us. And thank you for giving the time. Yeah, definitely. Really appreciate that. Um, and also follow him on Twitter. Definitely follow him on Twitter and and you know read his articles, click on his articles, um, all those things. Um, but it was really interesting uh, learning uh, more about Brandon Staley and you know Vic Fangio's reluctance to uh, teach anyone his defense. Um, but you yes. know Brandon Staley went and became a part of a Vic Fangio coaching staff, Sean McVay. Wanted to grab Poach, him up. Poached him, if you will. Yes. <laughs> and now Brandon Staley's on the sideline of the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, putting together what we think is going to be a remarkable defense this year. Uh, we also talked to uh, Justin Herbert, um, he, you know, how he went from the prospect that he was to, you know, entering his third year. And, you know, next offseason, you know, there's going to be lots of talk about Joe Burrow and, and Justin Herbert and the contracts. I don't think you'll see a a, a Baker Mayfield, um, Lamar Jackson type contract thing. I think you're going to see a Josh Allen uh, type contract. Yes. Signing for those two. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see. And and uh, and had a lot of fun going through the lightning round questions and and really appreciate his time. Uh, hopefully. Uh, Hopefully, if we get enough views and subscribers on this channel, uh, maybe uh, Connor would be kind enough to come back and join us. Yes. I know we would definitely uh, uh, like that to happen. So, yeah, if you get a chance, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Chargers Outside Zone. Give us a like on this Follow video. Follow us. Follow on, us on Twitter on at, at LAC Outside Zone. And um, if you get a chance, have any questions, email us email. at chargersoutsidezone at gmail.com. 
really appreciate you staying around for this episode, uh, staying this long in this episode. So with that, join us every Tuesday and Saturday for new episodes and have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.